Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and I'm so excited you're tuning in today. Making Ways is a show all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm an illustrator and a marketer, and my path to where I am today has been just as winding as some of the guests that we'll talk to. I've started this show with the aim of inspiring and educating more people to pursue a career in creativity and kind of offer a mentorship at scale so that more and more people could get exposed to more and more paths to a successful and happy creative profession. I want to thank our sponsor, General Assembly. They're a fantastic organization with campuses all across the globe. They've got a campus here in San Francisco, and they offer courses across multiple disciplines from digital marketing to UX design, data science, and so much more. We've got a great offer for Making Ways listeners. If you want to take a class or a workshop at General Assembly to help you make a shift in your career, whether you're in a job or between jobs, Use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout and you'll get 15% off a class or a workshop. I'm really thrilled today we have Alexis Joseph. Alexis is a San Francisco native. She studied architecture in Colorado. Then she went on to study graphic design here in California. She makes her own watercolors. She has her own store selling art supplies and those watercolors in the outer sunset in San Francisco. She's really had an amazing path to get to where she is, and she seems to be on this kind of lifelong quest for learning and growth, and always focused on the process rather than the outcome, and I think there's so much to learn in that kind of philosophy, so I'm really excited to share the conversation with you. Let's get started. Alexis, it's so nice to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, you. you bet. So tell us a little bit about Case for Making and, and what you're up to there. Yeah, Case for Making is a shop in the Outer Sunset, and it, I feel like it's, it's in a stage right now that, it, that has evolved from uh, multiple projects that have been going on in the actual storefront location where we, where we are. Um, about seven years of projects with a few friends. Uh, we used it as a gallery space, and... Um, had site-specific installations there, and then that turned turned into a lecture series that was ongoing for about a year and a half. All of us who are on the lease together, there's Dave and Lana uh, from Outerlands, and Sarah Fontaine and I, the four of us were on the lease together for about five years, and our lease was due to be up at the end of 2014. And so through the process of um, trying to extend the lease, we all decided that if we were able to do so, continue leasing this space, that we felt it was necessary that there be a permanent storefront in the downstairs so that we could really activate this space and use it to its fullest potential and engage with the community. Everybody was in agreement, like, yeah, yeah, we totally need a storefront, but we don't want to do it. And I felt like I wanted to see it through, like see that space through and see what what it could be. And I have retail experience, so... I was like, well, I'll do it, but I'm not going to think about it until we get the lease or not. Like, I'm not going to waste my time, like, putting together a whole thing and be bummed if it doesn't work out or... Right. Um, and so we, the day we got um, the notice from our landlords that they were they would extend it for three years, I just went home in, like, a full panic because I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, now I have to open a shop. Because though you had you know, retail experience, you never, you never ran a storefront before. 
Did you? Um, I managed a, a shop in his valley for a, f- a, f- a f- year and a half or so you before okay. grad school. Okay. Yeah. But that was like high end, you know, uh, clothing and stuff. Okay. So I, I wasn't my passion. Right. It was just something that I ended up doing. Right. I always ended up managing places wherever I worked. I ended up managing them. Okay. Well, that says it. something about yeah. <laughs> about you. I, I just like I, I like understanding how how all the pieces fit together and how yeah. things run, and I want to know it all and kind of I like crunching numbers and cool. It just is exciting to me. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. Which um, is rare, I, th- I think, or at least the the stereotype, right, is that. There are creative folks, and then yeah. there are people who are more kind of analytical. And I love um, to meet people who bridge both sides. And it seems like you really, um, you really have that. Yeah, I, I think, I, f- I didn't know that it was going to push me in the direction of small business. I thought that that's what I was doing when I was going to grad school for graphic design. I was like, oh, graphic design is a way for me to be analytical and creative at this and at the same time. And right. Um, but I, I realized that I just, I'm really interested in the small business aspect of creativity and design and how, yeah, how you, because it, because business is a type of, it's like a medium. It's, it's, it's just another medium to manipulate in, in this way. Like you can kind of tweak things here and there just as you would on a painting, like exploring oil paint or watercolors or whatever it is. You're like, you're right. just kind of tweaking it until it feels right. And it, it starts to build its own momentum and like take on a life of its own. Right. Yeah. So you, so you studied up and you, you figured out kind of the basics of how to set it up. And when did you get to that point where things were just kind of running and flowing and it was organically building? Well, so that when I went home after we renewed the lease, um, I think I I laid down on my bed, which I never do in the middle of the day, and I was you're like, not okay, a napper. Like I'm not a napper. No. Yeah, I always have like way too many things that I want to get done. Um, but I was like, I just need to chill out for a second and not stress out. Just like calm down and let myself brainstorm. And I wasn't even, I hadn't like brainstormed anything since grad school, but I was like, I'll just see what happens. And so I was laying there, it was probably like three minutes that I was laying there. And then I looked over on my nightstand and I had my watercolor set there and my favorite Japanese pilot pens that I've been using since high school that my mom found at Japantown when I was young. Mm-hmm. Like it was like the special pen that I I could only use if I was like being really intentional with it. You know, it's yeah. like this so special yeah um and I took out my phone and I started writing a list of just materials like everything I've ever used doing so much artwork as a kid and throughout high school and throughout architecture school just drafting supplies and pens and my favorite notepads and architecture scales and drafting pencils you know just all of these things I just had this full list and then I spun out and had this whole list of of um like items that I wanted to collaborate on with friends and have them make like our Cloutier watercolor cup my friend Julie Cloutier um was a collaboration that we did that was from from that first initial moment where I kind of decided or saw what what the shop was going to be yeah so then I I um copied my list that I did just on my notes in my iPhone 
and I sent it to Lana. Um, who who what, is one of the owners of Outerlands. One of the owners of Outerlands, and one it, of my best friends for yep. many years. And I texted to her and I was like, oh my God, I, I know what the shop is going to be. And she read it and texted back immediately. It was like, oh my God, I want to do it with you. And so then I think we met the next morning and we were just both freaking out and really excited. Um, and I think it was a week later, we went and registered the business at City Hall. Um, and it, we both put in $5,000 and wow. um, built out the space with a friend over the next few months. And I bought all of the opening inventory on the credit card. <laughs> and the, it was self-sustaining the first month. I mean, I didn't pay myself for like a year. Okay. But that momentum, um, I mean, the fact that it, it just was sustaining itself and I was able to buy more inventory and all of that. I hired somebody after three months or so. So that all just started building right away, which was really fun and exciting. Yeah. It must've felt so good to have this opportunity and then make it functional so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we were really, so Lana and I opened the shop together in um, December of 2014. Um, and then she, she'd, had a, her second baby in May of that year. So the whole time we were doing the build out, she had, she had this little baby guy <laughs> with her all the time. Wow. Um, and it was maybe about four or five months in, she, she felt like she couldn't split the time with me in the shop. Um, so I, I kind of took over at that point. And, um, so it's just me running the shop now. And I remember when we originally spoke, you said, you got to learn a lot of kind of like the back of house and, and record keeping and all of that from, from doing some of the work at, at Outerland. So was that a bit of, uh, an education that you, that you got yourself that helped help you run this business? Yeah. I mean, I, th I think I, I said earlier that I, every job I've had, I've kind of ended up on the management team pretty quickly. So like I managed a, shop in his valley um in between college and grad school and then um I was married for a while and and was married to um a chiropractor and so I went and I decided to go work for a chiropractic office because we were going to open up our own space our own clinic okay um so I ended up managing a chiropractic office and <laughs> okay. then opening up my ex's chiropractic office okay and then um managed the restaurant and like through the um outerlands expand doubled in size and yep. so there's a full renovation and so kind of saw saw it through that mm -hmm. um and managed the back back end of the restaurant so all of that i feel all of that definitely has given me a lot of insight into how different small businesses run but what about more about your your no. own upbringing? I guess because um, you yeah you came from this family of creative people and artists and illustrators and um, I didn't really think about it that much when I, I just thought that everybody drew all the time. Like if I had a friend over and they'd be like, oh, what do you want to do? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like we're gonna draw and like make projects and stuff. Like, I don't, <laughs> what else? I mean, I guess we could like ride bikes for a while, but ultimately <laughs> we're gonna come back in here and. That was just like your That's inclination. That's just what I thought everybody yeah. did. I yeah. didn't think about it. And and my mom was always just doing, making stuff. I, I mean, I don't, she's never had like, 
she does some ceramics now, but she she doesn't. It's not like she's a studio artist or she doesn't have. She can just make anything. Like she would. She ended up making the dolphin mascot for my school <laughs> out of. I don't even know how. We still talk about it. Like, how did you do that? How did you know how to do it? She's like, like I don't know. I just figured it out. Like, like a mascot. Just, like like a, a huge that a person could go would in. wear. Yeah, she made this whole thing out of like wire mesh and foam and like stretched um, silver spandex over the whole thing so that it was like this. So did you have like the dolphin. best Halloween costumes when you were a kid? I had pretty good Halloween <laughs> costumes. Not super elaborate. That right. was over the top. We still talk about the mascot. Oh but, my gosh. But wow. she was always, she always had, she would do shop windows and she made like a giant felt carrot, you know, for the shop, <laughs> like huge, like 10 feet long felt stuffed carrot. Yeah. Thing. Just projects all the time. And yeah. So we yeah. had this whole closet full of stuff, you know, just stacks of paper and paint and always watercolors. I always watercolored a lot. I would just like ha just paint for hours and have just loose pages drawing all over the floor. <laughs> just exper full experimentation. Like I wasn't trying to like make anything. It was just, I just thought it was really cool what yeah. everything was doing on the paper. You know, yeah, just yeah. watching and, and I just realized that that's like my happy place. I just started doing that again, like in my studio, trying to get back into the studio. And that that's what I started doing was just using my watercolors on paper and just running through pages, just having them everywhere. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, General Assembly. They're an amazing organization with a campus here in San Francisco, and they have campuses actually all across the globe and the country. And they offer courses in UX design, data science, if you want to become a developer, or learn how to code. They've got classes and workshops and boot camps and courses where you can take when you're in a job on nights and weekends or when you're between jobs and you really want to shift your skill set towards the next career that's going to have you doing something that you'll love. So I'm excited that we've got a special code to use at checkout for 15% off any class or workshop and that's Making Ways. Just type in Making Ways at checkout and you'll get 15% off. So visit General Assembly's website. It's just General Assembly in the browser and then put a dot before the L-Y and you'll go right there. Let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the show. Now at Case for Making, you create your own watercolors yeah. and you sell them there. Yeah. And when you lied down on your bed that day that you got the lease and you made that list, did you think you also wanted to make watercolors? No. Okay. I did not think about that. When when did you have that idea? I, I mean, I guess one of my earlier ideas that when I wrote the initial list, I had a vision of, so you can get most watercolors come in either a half pan size or a full pan size. Like I've had this Windsor and Newton palette for forever and it's just this little small rectangular palette with the half pan set in. So I knew that they came in those sizes and I had this idea that I could get a friend to to make like a really beautiful wood palette for those to set into. It's yeah. Like these, it's like the cup size or something. Yeah. Um, that never happened. I still <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. So I guess that was my first idea of like making something specific for watercolors because yeah. I've always, I've always loved them and I continue to go back to them like throughout architecture school and grad school I it's just I use pen and pencil and watercolor mainly and some yep. ink yep um and you still have that feeling like 
you have when you were a kid, like scrawling across yeah. the floor. And Just even more freedom. so, so I didn't, this is a little bit embarrassing to say out loud because I took art classes my whole life and throughout high school. Um, but I didn't know that all paint came from pure powdered pigment. I don't think anybody explicitly said I don't know that. that <laughs> yeah. Like I knew that it all came from some some sort of base, some sort of color base, but I didn't really think about the the actual powdered pigment. Right. And where all all the actual pure color came from. Yeah. Until I was in Berlin, um, which is where my great grandfather and grandmother lived um, before coming to the states. Um, and I just, I ended up passing by, a like a building, building supply place, but it's like building supplies where they just had a wall of, it was like being in rainbow in the uh, bulk section, but it was all color. Wow. Like pig, pure pigment colors. I was just like, stood there with my mouth open and was like, what? There was this guy <laughs> just scooping it out into, into bags. And I was like, what are you? What are you doing with yeah, that? Yeah, it sounds like adult glitter. Like it yeah. sounds like this pure joy of like creation. And like it was the just like mind blowing to me. I'd never seen that. And and this guy was just like in there buying color that he was gonna paint his house, his apartment with, in Berlin. And I was like, well, what do you? How do you? You have to tell me everything. Like I'm, I'm freaking out here. And so I I don't even remember what he mixed it in with. Some probably some sort of like acrylic base or something. Um, and then I, I think I I ended up buying a kilo of ultramarine because I was like I have never seen this before. I have to bring this color home. I ha I wanted it. I wanted to like paint my whole staircase with ultramarine blue. And okay. so then it kind of turned into this um, internet quest for like how to most purely suspend pigment in some sort of medium that I could use to coat my staircase with. So, and I got home and I was like, well, you must be able to buy pigment in the U.S. Like, we're not... Yeah. You can find everything here. Like, there's got to be pigment places. Sure. So that kind of started me on this journey to understand, like, where you can buy pigment um, and then what to do with it. And I found um, this store in New York called Kremer Pigment. Okay. Um, which is actually a German company, but they have a storefront in New York um, where they stock historical pigments um, and make paint for restoration artists for all of the big museums and stuff in New York, which I just thought that was the coolest thing. That is super cool, yeah. Because I feel like if I, if I could have gone down another path, maybe I would have been like a restoration artist or something. Like yeah. The, just the... Yeah, because that's the history that's being like very meticulous, mathematical, um, but also, yeah, and then the science of how do you create things that yeah. match and, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So, um, so I planned a trip to New York. I was in New York a year ago, a year, well, a year ago in January. Okay. Um, because I saw online that they teach paint making classes and about fell off my chair because I, like, I was just so excited when I saw <laughs> the, that I could go there and learn how to make my own paint like I just was so happy so they right. have they have an oil paint making workshop and a watercolor making workshop okay and I took both 
Um, so I learned how to make paint from them. And all I mean, the people who work there are amazing. They're like walking encyclopedias of like art and science and everything in between. I mean, anytime like one of the instructors was nearby me, I was like, okay, well, so tell me about lime paint and what do you, how can you make lime paint waterproof? And what do you <laughs> just, like, <laughs> you were just like, I was just I was, like, in give my, me the information. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like full, too excited to be there that I didn't, I, it's like, I was so excited that I'd like found my people who I could just fully geek out with. Right. And I didn't even know that this is what I needed to geek out about. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's all like in Copper, in, it's like, in purpose of the function. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and honesty. You know, it's like you use honest materials in ways that it makes sense to use them. and Yeah, to build your Keep stuff. a limited palette, you know, and... Mm-hmm. That just all made sense, right? But when I when I tried to translate that into an art practice or a graphic design practice, it was almost like there was too too many options or something. Mm-hmm. And so when I started investigating pigment and understand and really understanding like where how these colors are derived and the materials that are making them. I was just like, okay, like this is something, this is something that I can grab onto and understand. And um, so exploring color in that way and then letting that infuse into like my mini art practice now. I don't have a ton of time to do that, but I'm really excited to do that more. Yeah. And let, um, explore the materiality of the watercolors that I'm making. Yeah. So you took this class, you're surrounded by all these experts, and then did you pretty quickly then start formulating your own recipes for your own watercolors? Yeah, I. so I took the class in January. I, it took me a really long time to source the tins, like the watercolor tins that we get. Yeah. Um, they're not made in the U.S. anywhere, so I get them from Germany. So it took a that took the longest time. So I and I released my first palette of colors. I I just did the fluorescence because oh that was another thing I was kind of I I really wanted fluorescent watercolors and I was like why don't these exist? So I I made those first because Kremer has fluorescent pigment, cool. um, and released those in June of two thousand sixteen, and then just started adding more colors because those were selling great and I just was like using the money that that was generating to buy more pigment and then I started teaching classes out of my shop too so I teach people to make watercolors now um you use the same kind of process or or logic of thought around how you create a business like you were saying before and how you go about creating watercolors like all the investigation and the um, you know, really understanding every aspect of it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's all like a big puzzle. You just have to understand all the pieces as much as possible. Lon and I didn't, we were not thinking about how to make a successful shop. We were just trying to build a space that we wanted to be. Yeah. And then provide items that we would want to use. And then people started coming in and, and loving the space and loving the items. And we were, it, that was just like a bonus. Right, right. It's like, great. Like, oh, I'm so happy that you're happy to be here. Like, I'm really happy to be here too. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bonus yeah, that like, so many people... Yeah, like, what project are you working on? Great. Like, Is, would that be some of the advice you might give to, to people who are 
interested in starting either a business or starting to do more artwork or maybe start open start to open their own shop because um, it seems like it, it seems like it kind of relieves some of the pressure to just say I'm interested in that let me explore it a little bit and then keep taking those steps that you need to take yeah. to keep pursuing it I mean I think I think it's also just a really nice way to live life because then you're you're consistently engaged and curious in whatever you're doing I mean, I think to a lot of people, it looks like I had a really good idea and now and now I have the shop and now it's successful or something. But in actuality, like it took, I mean, I started doing these projects in 2009. I didn't open the shop until 2014. So right. I think it's, it's being really honest with yourself about what you're interested in and letting yourself just be interested in it without trying to think of some way to turn it into anything bigger. But I think I think that's important for people to remember that sometimes getting involved in something in 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 industry or a creative movement or anything can feel overwhelming when you think about oh, how do I get in? How do I break into this thing? Maybe a great way to think about it is how you think about it and start by just doing stuff and talking to your neighbors and talking to people who are interested in it um and that feels like such a more uh approachable way to to get into any kind of creative field or even or even business field i think it's just it's the only way to have it feel sustainable because if if it's just if it's pure to your own interests and honest and it's it's going to be something that's so core to you that it's present in everything that you do. Thank you so much for, yeah. uh, for chatting today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Okay, that was the conversation with Alexis Joseph. I hope that you all enjoyed it as much as I did having it. Thank you so much, Alexis, for uh, joining the show and for sharing so much of your life and your story and your journey up to this point. If you want to learn more about Alexis, definitely check out caseformaking.com. Follow her on Instagram at caseformaking, and you can see all of the watercolors that she's creating and uh, the beautiful store and kind of home and uh, community that she's building for artists and makers in the outer sunset in San Francisco. Thanks again to our sponsor, General Assembly. Go over to their website, and you can use 15% off a class or workshop with the code making ways they're at general assembly just type that in in the browser and then put a dot before the ly a big thanks to friends and family and supporters and listeners out there i've received so much great feedback since we launched the show and i can't thank you enough for all your support so if you like what you're hearing head over to itunes leave a review it's a really wonderful way for more people to discover the show Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. You can learn more about me and the show at makingways.co. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix, too. Thanks so much again, guys, and have a great week.